0: Welcome. Today, I will be having a conversation with Dr. Susan Smith about the framework of care we call the Caring Behaviors Assurance System, also known as CBAS. It's important that when selecting or developing a framework of care delivery that you decide how you're going to measure the impact of that framework on the outcomes for patients and staff. Within the study that we're presenting today, which was conducted over a six-year period, we measured the different aspects of the framework and found it had a statistically significant impact on the outcomes for both patients and staff. We were even able to identify over the six-year study when the program had its greatest impact, so we knew then when a refresher course was needed to sustain the positive impact. Just to give a little background on who I am, my name is uh, John Nelson. I am the data analyst and primary researcher for healthcare environment. I have a history of doing bedside nurses for 11 years, and I have left the bedside about 21 years ago, and I have owned healthcare environment, which is a survey and data management company that specializes in caring science, job satisfaction, and predictive analytics and I've worked there for 21 years.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Sue Smith from um, the UK. I own a company called Choice Dynamic International, and my background is um, over 45 years in healthcare in the National Health Service, both as a nurse, as a midwife, as a public health nurse, as an educator, and a strategic manager. And I came to this work with John through being very interested in the caring science work and the analytics that he was doing. One of my pieces of work that was particularly linked to caring science was when I was commissioned to design a caring behaviours assurance system in Scotland. And one of the key factors that i was incredibly interested in at that time was the impact that our work would be having on both the patient interface and the staff employee interface And when i came across john's work i began to realize that he could probably help more than anybody i had met in the past simply because he gave he gave good analytics in time, not waiting for months, for research projects to prove the impact.
0: The first project that Susan and I worked on together was in Scotland, and we started by creating an instrument to measure caring, and we utilized Watson's theory. And we found after we had gathered data on about 600 patients that the Watson theory wasn't a good fit for Western Scotland. And we write about this in our book, Using Predictive Analytics to Improve Healthcare Outcomes. It's chapters 17 and 18 that Susan and I write about this. But we found that Watson's theory wasn't a good fit. Primarily, the feedback provided to us was because the theory was a bit too touchy-feely for that context. So then we tried to use Kristen Swanson's theory of caring. And we, again, tested about 500 patients to see if that was a good fit. And we found that that also was not a good fit. And so then we looked at the documents that were within the National Health Service of Scotland, the NHS of Scotland, and we found a articulation of what they deemed was caring. And so we utilized that to develop an instrument that was specific for the context of Scotland. And we tested about a thousand patients and that one worked very well. Now, what's interesting about this is I have worked in about 46 countries thus far, and I have aggressively tested Watson's theory in 13, and it has fit in 13 countries very nicely, but it did not fit in Scotland. So I found that fascinating, but my point here is before measuring Susan's CBAS model, Caring Behaviors Assurance System model, I needed to develop instruments that measured caring for that context. So that's where it started. That's where the work that she and I um, launched doing. And we've been working together now for about eight eight years. And we're about to measure again.
1: I'll I'll just, I'll, I'll say it briefly first. I'm just thinking if we say that the Caring Behaviors Assurance System was a system by which we utilised frontline staff to engage in in activities that helped to assess both staff-caring behaviours and the patient's understanding of those behaviours. And we had some methodologies for assessing that, which was called the Person-Centred Care Quality Instrument just i'm just sharing it first um and we had collection methods which were linked to engaging in a caring walk engaging with a patient family interview having conversations with managers and also observing practice and that john's analytics were linked to each of those those collection methods if you like something like that and then you could probably elaborate john could you on how we collected the mm-hmm. data mm-hmm. on each of those with the <clears throat> with the caring behaviors assurance system that we in, introduced into scotland we were mindful that we wanted to utilize the frontline staff to give us information in terms of their own caring behaviors and that experience by the patients. And so we had some um, collection methods designed, and we called these the person-centered care quality instrument, and that was an assessment instrument. And within that, we had some methodologies. One was where we observed practice. We engaged in a a caring walk. We engaged also in family and patient interviews. manager interviews and we also assessed paperwork john's analytics were one of the best that we found to capture the data from each of those assessment methodologies
0: so in the person-centered care quality instrument which we also call the PCQI in that assessment, during the caring walk, during the interviews, etc., that's a methodology where we're actually able to document that caring behaviors occurred or activities occurred, so we're able to actually measure the operations of caring. So that's very helpful, but for me as an analyst I want to make sure that that documentation of Increasing activity and increasing documentation is also impacting the patient and staff report of a caring environment. So for the patient, we used the caring assessment where they responded to those items from the NHS caring assessment that we developed, and then for the staff, we also used the NHS Scotland items to develop a caring assessment, looking at caring for self and caring for the patient as reported by the staff, but we also looked at their job satisfaction. And what we found was there was a correlation between as those activities were increasing in frequency and documentation, we also found that the experience within care improved for both the patient and the staff. And this was statistically significant. And um, Susan and I write about this in chapter 17 and 18 in our book, Using Predictive Analytics to Improve Healthcare Outcomes. And it is the first study that I know of where a framework of care had several points of argument for the improvement of caring when CBAS was being implemented or a framework was being implemented because oftentimes we implement a framework but we don't have rigorous methods to assert that the outcomes improve because of that framework. And these two chapters that we have written in this book provide a careful and methodical argument of CBES improves the experience of care from both the patient and staff perspective. So in order for us to ensure that the standard was what we understood the leaders want and it was sustained in a way that the staff would engage, The one thing that I would do, and I'll let Susan address how she pursued this or ensured this from her stand, operational standpoint, but from a measurement standpoint, it was important that the data resonated with them and told their story. So when I measured the PCQI and I examined in relationship to caring as reported by the staff and the patients, that the feedback or the results made sense, but it was more than just reporting the results. It was taking it to an operational level to show them at the ward level what the successes were and the weaknesses were. So if they had received some education in how to care for colleagues. Um, Susan has something called caring conversations and strategies where the staff actually learn to communicate with one another. Um, When I measure things like relationship with coworkers, with their professional growth, with their engagement with the patient, with their workload or autonomy. So all of these things suggest health of the unit. And when I'm able to describe the ward, there's both of successes and their weaknesses, and it resonates and they um, it looks familiar to them, then they get engaged because then they have buy-in to this is my story. This isn't the average story of the hospital. This is our unit. So now we're going to be able to talk about objective data on my ward and then have some discussion about to improve that operationally because what they do, we measure about every two years because once they listen to the data then they have to interpret the data they have to action plan based on the data they have to implement and then you have to give time for that implementation of action to take effect and that takes about 18 months all of that so by the time we measure at 18 to 24 months then we detect the change and so this is where I from my perspective and in my observation, I see staff become engaged because it does talk about just their unit. It gives them an opportunity to get out of the subjective discussion to an objective discussion and create action plans that they all get on board.
1: The exciting work that we did with with John's analytics was what I would call in real time getting real time feedback. So one of the key factors for caring behaviours assurance systems is ownership. Ownership at every level. And we um, we had a mantra that we said from bedside to boardroom in a week. So meaning the staff were owning the standards and the changes and they were seeing the strengths and the weaknesses in their own system. What they were able to see, though, was change happen within that week, meaning if they needed resources to change a standard that wasn't working, they were actually meeting directly at executive level, board level, to acquire an extended budget sometimes to make those changes. And I think this reinforces to staff that change can occur and their action plans were meaningful. and where we needed longer time, then again, John's analytics collected the data over time and we could prove that some change had changed and some didn't. So I, I think the summary for me with that is that is it's ownership at every level for standards and quality.
0: So I'd like to just share a story in relationship to what... Susan was just talking about is when we presented the data, for example, on the cardiology, a cardiology unit, and we, we write about this in the book. But what we found was there were some low scores between the staff and the physician or the doctor relationships on this cardiology step down unit. And that was in contrast to the staff medical doctor relationships being very good on the ICU and the intensive care units, the critical care cardiology unit. And so when I presented this to them as an analyst, I don't know the story behind that. That's why it's so important that the staff work with me as the analyst to interpret the data properly so action plans can be made based on the staff interpretation. And what was fascinating to me and what I did not know is those physicians, those medical doctors on the cardiology critical care unit were the same doctors on the cardiology step-down unit. So this was very fascinating to me that the f- same physicians were ha- being reported one way in critical care, very favorably, but but very distressing on the step-down unit. Now, This was a very important finding in our discussion on the step down unit. Both the staff and the manager of the unit and the uh, ward, um, the the senior charge nurse on that ward as well, uh, we were able to actually present that data. I didn't, they did. They presented that data to the physicians, to the medical doctors, and said, help us understand this. Well, the medical doctors had no idea that there was a difference in how they were interacting with staff. So this was a real um, learning moment for them, and they were completely unaware. But the strength in utilizing the data, it was a helpful way to present a conversation um where it was data rather than subjective i feel that or you know the you thing that you treat me this way that kind of thing presenting the data showing the differences from unit to unit even though it was the same medical doctors and then they actually said we would like to change this so they had a retreat a time together with the staff the medical doctors and the staff and they just got to know one another and the scores the next the follow-up meeting the follow-up assessment were dramatically improved. I mean, the P level was less than 0.001 because it had like improved by threefold. And it was a completely different energy on the second time I came when after they had this action planning and meeting with the physicians, the medical doctors and uh, the improvement of the relationship. So that's just one example of how we're able to utilize the data for refinement of caring, getting away from the subjective and utilizing the data for those caring conversations that um, Susan instructs staff how to use. I uh, the,
1: the question is around, um... Raising the chance of the probability of application of the research findings in practice, and and for me it has to be that the researcher and the organisational change agent or the design person like myself work collectively at the same time together designing the same um, applicable tools, if you like, in practice. And at the same time, having a constant cycle of reflection back to the actual people that we're researching. So one of the key factors that John was able to achieve was to give regular feedback to individuals and to teams and to the executive team as the research was ongoing and not wait until an end point because what we found was new actions needed to be taken all the way along the three to four year cycle that we were working on. You can't afford to wait at the end of the three to four years for a a report, a research report. It's too late then. And usually the organization has moved on. Their systems have changed. Their organizational structures have changed. The leadership um, named person has usually changed in three to four years. So I I celebrated this work with John on the basis that it was in real time and constant.
0: The other thing that's important in relationship to measuring the intervention and then identifying actions for practice is you need to make sure that your instruments are tailored for that framework or that intervention But also, it's important to find ways that you can discover what are the key factors. So I did an analysis, and this also is explained in chapters 17 and 18 of our book. I found that there were six elements that were critical for success of sea bass, and I don't remember them all but I remember a couple of them and for example it's important that they have access to their quality champions and quality champions are like the experts in uh, CBAS so if staff had access to ask questions about standards of care or something related to the uh, CBAS initiative uh, that they would get that question answered quickly. That was very important. Um, It was important that the staff knew that the executive team was supportive of this. It was important that the staff understood that their peers were supportive of this. And it was important that they responded to the PCQI on a regular basis. I found that the units that reviewed the framework every six months that were more dedicated to uh, completing that and responding to that, those units did better. So I found that there were certain elements required or important for successful implementation of the framework and subsequent outcomes, but I also found in my analysis that since we studied this over many years, I also was able to see where the peak effect, so to speak, of this was because there was several layers of leadership within this. Um, Susan has um, training sessions for the staff, for the quality champions, for the leadership, because leadership is key. So it's a um, organizational wide implementation. It's not just for the staff, it's for leadership uh, at all levels, for the staff, for the experts, etc. And I found that the improvement or the implementation continued to become more refined until about year four. And I'm talking about individually. And that, so I call that the peak effect. When is the peak effect of sea bass? And I found that it was at year four. But what is important in that, and again, Susan has talked about how it's important for the data analyst to work with the person that oversees the program, that helped me inform Susan that at year four, they should do a refresher course because they want to continue to um, sustain and maintain that standard of practice that standard of the framework and it's at year 4 that it seems to peak so that's how research is um, so important is to understanding how to maximize the use of that program for outcomes the
1: um the issue of funding for me is i i like john i'm i'm an independent consultant working from an external perspective within the organization. I think the value of our joint presentations at the beginning was that the leaders within the organizations that we've worked in could see the value of the the co-joining without as being, um, I'm trying to think of the right word really. Uh, I'll stop just to ask you. I want to say that we, <laughs> we're not the same company, so we're not biased. Yeah, that's the word I wanted to use. We've, so when you're doing a joint presentation to leaders within organizations, you must be clear that there is no bias in this joint activity. And I think that's why we also needed some external validation of the work we were doing together as well. So at the same time, parallel research was also being undertaken, while John and I were also doing the same things. I'm trying to say that although we worked together, we were in two different companies, so the, that we weren't, we weren't, you know, the bias was taken out because of that. Right. Um, and and I I guess the other issue for me was the other research methodologies that were used at the same time sometimes didn't dem uh, sometimes demonstrated that the system wasn't working, you know I I don't know how we want to say that John because I think that's probably important you might say something on that
0: no that that is important um, mm. and what Su- what Susan is referring to. Uh, Uh, there was a report that came out that assessed sea bass and said that it made no difference this was a national report and it looked very bad and i had experienced this and in my research i found that it did make a difference i mean Mm -hmm. i just could feel it but i needed to prove it empirically and when i and it was it was well done research but it the sample was too small to make the assertions that were made. They looked at, I think it was 11 units, to see if there was a difference that seabass made. So what, what Susan is talking about is a national report that came out that said seabass did not make a difference. And I know these researchers, they're very good researchers, uh, lots of integrity, but I found that CBAS was making a difference in my own experience of observation, in my own data, but I had not yet published the report on the impact that CBAS made for both patients and staff because we just hadn't studied it enough yet. Now, this report was national and it, in my mind, wasn't fair because it was using uh, a sample size of 11 units, and it was using Gaussian mathematics, which basically is it uses the average. So they said that there was really no movement in the mean uh, of the different things that they looked at in the average scores. But what they did report in this report is they said there were a... Couple units that were very successful at CBAS, and they reported there were a couple units that were not successful at all. And so, what I did is, I had a, a very healthy and scientific based conversation with the researchers of this report. They were very professional and high integrity, et cetera. But what I proposed is that instead of using Gaussian mathematics or the mean, that we use Pareto mathematics. And Pareto mathematics looks at outliers. So I wanted to understand what's the profile of those two units that were very successful and then what was the profile of those units that were very unsuccessful. And that's how I came up with the six factors that I measured In our study, and that was I've already talked about is it was is the executive team supportive? Do they have access to their quality champion? Are their peers engaged with the process? So those six items are what I measured because I identified that the units that were the two units that were successful used reported that and the units that were not successful, the two units that were not successful, did not report those elements. So I made the judgment that those were success factors. And I found in my research that was true. And this too is written about in chapters 17 and 18. So I'm very pleased to be able to finally be able to publish with Susan and the leaders of the research from this organization in this book because we provide a multifaceted argument Of the impact that CBAS has on outcomes. So I'm, and but good research takes time because you have to um, not just look at a pre post, you have to really follow it over time to look at the trajectories and the patterns. And we've identified that there's a pattern of improvement when CBAS is implemented. Mm -hmm. Now I want to say about the two chapters that we wrote and we have a multifaceted argument of the success of CBAS as it relates to outcomes. That would have not been possible if it were not for the accommodations of the other scientists that did uh, write that report that I did not disagree with. Now, in academia, I mean, that's my world. I live in the world of researchers and academics and people that have developed instruments and do studies. And it can be a, to present a question about someone else's methodology and that an alternative approach might be used, that can be very difficult, if not impossible. And to be frank, it has to do with ego and um, lack of openness, uh, for lack of a better word, in a scientific discussion, because that's what science is. It's not about um, your writer. Um, I'm right. It's more about let's look at this from multiple ways so that we, when we say it made no difference or it did make a difference, that the multiple views strengthen that argument. So when I read that report, I did not agree with it as a scientist. And when I approached my colleagues, they were very open. And that was critical for me to understand how they studied this so that I could then create another opportunity for a different view using different methods. And switching from Gaussian mathematics to Pareto mathematics helped me see. And there is some, uh, there are, um, there's literature on there about when to use Pareto mathematics versus Gaussian mathematics, but that's beyond this conversation here. But it was, I just want to say thank you to those uh, researchers for accommodating that conversation and being true scientists to uh, make sure that what was stated was true or not true. And I did find that in my research that it was not true, that CBEST does make a difference. So that's that's a very important piece in that.
1: I'm just thinking about the what you just said, John, meant that it did have CBAS then did have a transferability from Scotland to another country, which was Ireland. And had we not have pursued a second set of analytics to the, to the um, system, it wouldn't have been able to be transferred because one would have assumed that this, the, the system that we had created didn't work. So I think it's important to say something about the value A of a design of an organisational change methodology, first of all, does that transfer to another area? And we have proved that it does transfer to another country, provided you use and adapt their key quality standards that are national. even though we do that, we can still apply the methodologies that we did apply, and we should be able to still continue to apply the same analytics that John created uh, in in the first system. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's helpful, John. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think
0: that that's helpful. good. Yeah, that- what I'll do is I'll I'll uh, talk a little bit about the um, measuring a framework, and then I think what you've just stated would be a nice follow up. So I'll I'll lead yeah. off on measuring the framework, and then you okay. can, um, yeah, can reflect as as is okay. So in summary, it's very important to measure the framework that you are implementing, whether it's. Caring Behaviors Assurance System, which we've talked about here, or relationship-based care, plane tree, clinical practice model, patient-centered care. No matter what framework you are implementing, it is important that you measure the outcomes that are proposed to be impacted by that framework. Because otherwise you'll just change it in two years because you there's an argument whether it made a difference or not. But it's important that you have measures that collect data about the interventions that are being used within that program, the facets of that program, the outcomes that that program proposes, and so you're able to have multiple views measurement-wise to then create an argument over time that the outcomes have improved and you've connected it directly to the framework. Now, this is not done. Nobody does this. But from a science view, it's important to do this. Otherwise, you'll just keep changing and you'll never know what the success factors were and what the elements are that do not work. And it's important that you then, once you have developed those measures, and you measure over time to establish pattern of change, that then you present those results every time you measure to those who are enacting the framework. So they can provide feedback on and and help properly interpret the data so that the specific actions for change are taken And when this is done, this engages staff because it resonates. And when it resonates, they know what to do. So I think that would be in summary of if you implement a framework of care, you have to create specified measures for that framework, measure over time, evaluate the trends, and have the staff work with you to create action based on the data.
1: Caring Behaviours Assurance System was an organisational change methodology. And had we have only had one set of research studies to look at in terms of the um, impact and outcomes, we would have stopped using CBAS at that point. But because we had John's framework of analytics, we were convinced that we should try it again and try it in another country to see if it could be transferred and we did prove that it could be transferred and at the moment Ireland is a very the Republic of Ireland is a very good example of that they did apply the principles and they are watching the interventions um, closely and measuring them